0: You're listening to the Business of Baking Podcast with Michelle Green, the small business podcast that's all about successfully running your own sweet food company without losing your mind. If you've ever brought dessert to a party and been told you can make a fortune selling those, then you're in the right place. This is an honest, straight-talking podcast about the highs and lows of being in small business. Fueled by late nights, crazy client stories, and a permanent sugar high, we're going to listen, share, and learn our way to sweet business success. Here's your host, writer, speaker, recovering cake decorator, and incurable sweet tooth, Michelle Green.
1: Hey everyone, thanks for listening to the Business of Baking podcast. It's Michelle, I'm your host, and today is an exciting slash scary day. A couple of episodes ago, I read you guys an article from my new as yet unnamed book. If you missed it, it was called The Three Day Rule, and it was a couple episodes back. I was Really quite terrified to read that article to you guys, but it turns out that it struck a chord with a whole lot of people and a whole lot of people really liked it. So it's making me feel a little bit more brave and like maybe I should keep reading to you guys from this book, although I can't read you the whole thing because then when it comes out, nobody's going to buy it, right? So my big goal is to get this book out into the world this year. It's honestly like two years too late in terms of when I wanted it to be out there. But I think it's important to get it done. And so I'm going to get it done. So for today's episode, I wanted to read you another article from the book. It's, again, an article that I wrote. Actually, I wrote this some months back and I haven't reread it. So we are going on a voyage of discovery together. And I thought I would read this article. And please let me know what you think I'd love to know if it resonated with you. I don't think I'll ever become a life coach in the real sense, but I can certainly become one via podcast and via Simply Existing and telling people how you know, you can change your life every day if you want to. And it doesn't always require as much work and isn't always as scary as you might think it is. And so today is kind of along that same vein. So let's jump into this article into the unnamed Michelle book. This article is called and I call them articles, by the way, I guess they maybe they're chapters. I don't know. I sort of intended this book to be not dissimilar to how The Business of Baking is written, as in every article is sort of two or three pages, the kind of book where anytime you needed a shot of inspiration or a shot of love, or frankly, a little bit of tough love, you could just open to a relevant section, read a couple of pages of what I had to say, and then spend some time kind of processing it and mulling over it and seeing if it applies to your own life. So That's why I'm referring to these as articles, because they feel more like articles than they do chapters. I've never done anything the way anybody else tells me I need to, so this book gets to be the same, gets to be the Michelle way, not anybody else's way. Thank you again for listening and for indulging me and letting me talk about something which is not really business and not really baking, although I like to think that all life lessons are also business lessons. The other way around, too. All business lessons can be life lessons. So you'll hear in this one that I'm going to talk about my business that I owned and how that taught me a life lesson, actually. So there you go. Good example of how those things overlap. So this article is called, Are Ignorance and Faith the Same Thing? Here we go. When I owned my custom cake business, I had a client whose sons had birthdays about a week apart. Often she'd have a shared birthday party for them between the two dates, and she'd order one amazing cake for the two of them to share. One year, she came for a design appointment, and as soon as she sat down, she apologized to me for leaving it a bit later than she normally would, because she was one of those super organized moms. She wanted to explain that she was recovering from breast cancer, and that the treatment meant she wasn't 100% on the ball with organizing things for the boy's birthday this year. As I met her, she was currently in remission from the cancer, but she was finding it challenging to get back into the swing of a busy life of work and motherhood. I'm not exactly sure what prompted me to do it, other than I like people and I like hearing their stories, but I ended up asking her a number of questions about her experience with cancer. She was very frank with me and very willing to talk about all of it. As it happens, that conversation was one which changed so much for me. She told me that she discovered the lump when she was on vacation with her family and that something inside of her knew it just wasn't going to be good. On their return home, she discovered the cancer and she started treatment almost immediately. Now, the whole time she's telling me this story, she's smiling and she's upbeat and she's positive. And I don't expect that people going through this are necessarily depressed and negative, but her unfailingly sunny outlook about all of it was really remarkable. And so I asked her about it. She told me that at no time in her experience, finding the lump, being diagnosed, getting treatment, Did she assume anything other than total recovery and survival? She never worried about dying, never worried about the treatment not working, never thought about leaving her kids behind, or really any of the scary negative things I imagine you might be thinking in this situation. According to her, it just never really occurred to her to think about this stuff. She really claimed that it simply did not occur to her that there was any other option other than a full recovery. It was much more like, oh, I've got this thing. I'll get treatment. It'll get better. And she went on to say that the only time she thought about negative things or worried was when other people brought it up to her. She never asked her oncologist for survival rates. She never considered alternative treatment options. And she asked for very little detail about her condition. Now, that amazed me on several levels. And her story has stayed with me since then. And I've often wondered was she simply being ignorant of the realities of having breast cancer? Or was her faith in her survival so strong that it crowded out any negative thought? Does simply not knowing make us stronger? Now, this is unusual for me to understand because I'm someone who wants to know everything about everything. I research the heck out of stuff. I ask lots of other people to share their thoughts. I Google like a woman on a mission. And I basically like to know as many details as possible because I'm of the camp, better the devil you know, right? Now, knowing doesn't necessarily change my choices, but I always want to know what the deal is. And yet, I guess, you know, to me, knowledge is power, right? But yet, here's this woman who chose to remain blissfully ignorant of the details of her situation. And the end result was a happy woman on the road to health. Now, of course, the outcome could be different here, and she could be ignorant and also no longer with us. But there's kind of part of me that believes that her ignorance is what guaranteed her health, or at least played a part in it. If she had spent her time and her energy on negative thinking, worrying about the outcomes of things, and generally hoping for the best but expecting the worst, is that really the best way to spend our lives? If you even vaguely believe that there is a modi- mind and body connection, which I really do, then you can see how her mental state, her acceptance of nothing less than total recovery, would have had an impact on her physical well being. This is where, for me, the question of ignorance versus faith isn't really a question. It was her ignorance of the details which almost forced her to have faith in her recovery. And in the absence of any other outcome, you have complete faith in that only one outcome, which is in front of you. Now personally, while ignorance is not my preferred option, as I told you, I want to know all the things, all the time in extreme detail, I can also see how her attitude is not only blissful, it's hugely motivational. Not knowing what the full options are not only gives you faith, it gives you freedom. Let me give you an example of this from my own life. When my triplets were born, they were put into a special care nursery. And amazingly, none of them needed much in the way of medical assistance. The special care was more about establishing a feeding routine and making sure that everyone was thriving. My youngest daughter by 30 seconds, Claire, was a fighter from the get-go. And by the way, I should say she still is. And of all the babies, she was physically the strongest. She's also mentally the strongest in many ways back then and now. Now, the hospital had a policy of babies being in room with their moms from the get-go. Now, in my case, it wasn't possible for all of them to be in with me because they were in special care. So I'd spend all day in the nursery with them and then head back to my room to sleep at night. However, on my third night post-giving birth to them, the nurse wheeled Claire into my room because she was strong enough not to be in special care overnight, and the nursing powers that be decided I needed to start getting used to these babies sooner rather than later. I was pretty excited about this, actually. I finally had a baby to hold and feed and spend time with. Now, the night started out totally fine. I fed her and I burped her and I put her down. Shortly thereafter, though, I put myself to bed, too, thinking along the lines of that old saying, you should sleep when the baby sleeps. Now, within an hour of closing my eyes, Claire opened hers and proceeded to attempt to blow out my eardrums with her crying and screaming. Having had very little experience of babies, I just did what I could think of doing. I changed her, I fed her, I rocked her, I sang to her, I massaged her. She would quieten down for a little while, but before long she'd start up again with the crying and the screaming and trying to communicate what was wrong with her. And like side note, why don't babies come with a user manual that explains what they're screaming about? So all night long, this little tiny thing, and Claire was tiny, she was only 2.3 kilos or just about five pounds, screamed her head off. And I, as her mom, well, I wanted to scream my head off too, but of course, instead, I just cried and cried and cried while simultaneously rocking this little thing and begging her to calm down. Needless to say, actually, as I read this, I find tears gathering in my eyes because it was really horrible. Needless to say, it was the longest night of my life I can remember. At some point in the very early morning, my baby girl finally dropped back off to sleep, as did I. Probably because we were both worn out from such a long night of being distressed. Of course, moments after I dropped off to sleep, the nurse came in to take my temperature and blood pressure. She asked me how my night was, and I was honest about it. I told her about the screaming, I told her about the crying, mine, and I told her about the long night spent pacing the room. I'm pretty sure that as I told her the story, I started crying again, this time in shame over my failure as a mother. If I couldn't handle one night with one baby, how was I going to survive a lifetime with three of them? The nurse looked at me with no sympathy, and she kind of chuckled at me. Why didn't you just press the call button? One of us would have come and gotten her so you could get some sleep. That's what happens to most of the babies here. By about 3 a.m., the hallway is full of baby carts while the moms get some sleep. You know, once these babies are home, you won't be getting any sleep, you know. And I looked at her, dumbfounded. Press the call button? What? I didn't know I could do that. I didn't know I should do that. I didn't know I was allowed to press the call button and ask for help. Nobody told me that was an option. I thought this whole trial by fire parenting hell night thing was required. Isn't that why they put them in your room? I mean, you're supposed to get used to it, right? What would be the point of pressing the call button if the whole point of putting the baby in the room was to teach you how to get through it? And also, let's be real, isn't that cheating? I was completely pissed off at this point. She asked me again, oh honey, why didn't you just press the call button? To which I replied, I didn't know I could. She just laughed at me, checked on Claire, and wandered out. That whole night, I was ignorant that help was just a button press and a few steps away. I was ignorant that I had other options. I was ignorant as what to do to solve the screaming babying problem. That ignorance led me to faith. Faith that I'd be okay, that Claire would be okay, (laughs) that morning would come and we would survive it together. After the nurse left, I walked over to the plastic cot. I looked down at this tiny baby girl (laughs) with the very few wisps of hair on her head and I said, we did it, baby girl. We made it through the night. We didn't even need help like all those other wussy mothers. And I fist pumped the air in joy. Instead of exhaustion, now I just felt elation. And okay, a little bit of embarrassment about knowing that I was allowed to press the button. Ultimately, my baby girl and I made it through the night. We were tired and war-torn and very rough around the edges, but we made it simply because I didn't know that there was any other option but to make it. Sometimes. A little bit of ignorance and a little bit of faith are all you need to pull you through. And as I read this, I'm absolutely like lots of tears running down my face because I remember how hard that night was. And I remember thinking, I am the worst mother that ever lived. And these poor children are not going to survive to their first birthday because I am just not going to make it. And those kids about a month ago turned 18 and they are amazing human beings. And I like to think that I have taught them, yeah, you know, you need to do all the things and be aware of all the options and whatever, but you sometimes just have to fall back on a little bit of faith and a little bit of ignorance that it's all going to be okay. If you don't allow yourself to think too hard about what the options are, then I think you're somehow more able and stronger to get through the options you want to go through. And I had a business coach once who gave me similar advice, and I can't remember where this quote comes, I'm so sorry, but it's something like, you know, burn the boats or whatever, and it's like an old military reference or whatever, I'm probably getting this wrong, but you're going to get the gist of it, where all these soldiers wash up on shore onto this island to defeat their enemy or whatever, and they turn around and they burn the boats behind them, so they have no choice but to enter into that battle and obviously hopefully win. And so many times in life, I've found that that's happened to me, that I have found that I didn't know that failure was an option or I didn't allow myself to indulge in thinking about failure or nobody told me I could do differently to what I was doing. So I just went ahead and did it, you know, I don't know. I figured I'd just try rather than not try, you know. So that experience with Claire and that experience with that mum who survived breast cancer, I'm not for a minute suggesting that you shouldn't find out the options or that you shouldn't research. After all, that's my nature and that's what I do all the time. I'm simply suggesting that sometimes even with all the knowledge in the world, even with all the information, all the Googling, all the endless pieces of paper and bits of advice you got from your friends, sometimes you just got to have a little faith. On that note, have an amazing week continue to be awesome. And if you can't be awesome, just keep on turning up. Sometimes the faith is just in knowing that the more you turn up, the more things happen. Have a great one.
0: Thanks for listening to the Business of Baking podcast. You can find show notes, links, and other fun stuff for this and previous episodes at thebizofbaking.com. Until next time, may your oven stay evenly hot, your ganache never split, and may you always be in the business of being awesome.